I want you to remain standing. I'm going to let's share the word together here this morning. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, beginning in verse 8. Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all of these things, they will lay their hands upon you and persecute you, delivering you up to, be to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for a testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts, not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all of your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. Father, we thank you for the eternal word of God. And as we stand here this morning, we realize that we stand. We believe in these times and days, which are called the last days. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would ask us to take serious look at our lives and our souls. Father, make sure, make sure every person that hears my voice this morning is prepared to meet you. That they understand the gospel that they understand the need to be saved and let Jesus into their hearts. Father, I pray this morning, I pray for these people along, again, the Gulf Coast and Texas and Louisiana. Father, I pray that you'll help them as they try to restore their lives, to reshape their homes, to just simply try to figure out what is next. Father, I pray, let there be a sweeping uh, a sense of your spirit and your presence that would touch every one of their lives. Father, we pray for all of those first responders and people, people that are working hard to supply uh, power and, and all of these things, the utilities. Father, we pray that you'll watch over them. Father, we pray also for these people in Florida that are facing a hurricane threat that's very real. Father, I pray that you, will, that you will protect them, that the divine hand of God literally would shelter, would cover over. Father, we pray that, Lord, that uh, in these days in which these disastrous things are occurring, that you would help people to respond not only, not only in their own lives, but they would respond to you. Father, let there be things said and things done that would cause them to look heavenward and to realize that their Father in heaven loves them. Father, I pray for divine protection. I pray, Father, for us right here at Faith Community Church 
that you'll continue to bless this congregation. We're thankful, Father. We are thankful people. Make us thankful. Help us to be thankful for so much that we have. We have an abundance of many, many things. And so, Father, I pray today that you will watch over us. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will simply settle upon this congregation and these people. Father, I pray that you'll press into our hearts, that you'll use these moments as the blessing of God. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you just love a good church? I sure do. I had three amens on that. That is kind of worrisome, to be honest with you. That kind of shook me up a little. <laughs> I am so excited about the church. I love the church. I have to confess to you something. I love the church. I'm biased toward the church. And um, that's probably because I guess I've spent the last 44 years of my life with a great involvement in the church, whether being a pastor of a church or, or I guess, shaping young men and women who are going to be in ministry in the church. Jo Joan told me on the way here today, she saw a Facebook post of one of our young guys that uh, was in college when I was there and serving, and, and uh, he, is, he is pioneering planting a brand new church in Wisconsin, I believe it's in the uh, Madison area, uh, and I'm so excited for him. Great young man, he was on our football team, he's uh, uh, he just, just a great guy. And I just, uh, we just pray that God will bless him in special ways. Let me read my text to you. This is one of the favorite spots of the Bible for me. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. He's talking about the apostles here, and, and it's not just 12 apostles anymore. This, the crowd got bigger. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. It says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods. They divided them among all as anyone who had a need. So continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And I love this last sentence. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Folks, this is raw, what I call raw Christianity. This is, this, is, this is foundational stuff right here. Of God at work in the lives and hearts of, of an ever-expanding group of people. I call it raw Christianity because there was nothing else on the plate. These people loved one another. They cared for one another. If somebody had a need, the, the need was provided from inside the house of God. It's amazing. This is an amazing church. It was a church that was attractive because the Bible says they gained favor among the people. The people looked at this church and said, this place is different. This isn't like the other worship centers or 
This isn't like what goes on in the temple. These people are different. And of course, the Bible continues on and on, uh, especially in the first several chapters. It talks about not only being added daily into the church, but the power and the influence of the church. Can you imagine uh, Peter and John walking down the sidewalk and coming upon a beggar that was just, just in a helpless sort of a situation and a state? He had physical issues. And he reached out to them. And we would, I would like to have some money. Can you give me some money? Peter said, we don't have any money. But what we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. This man stood. This man walked. That's what I call raw Christianity right there. Boy, that's foundational stuff. This man walked. I've got to believe he walked right along with Peter and John. And it amazed the crowd. They realized this Jesus has power. What God is doing through his church and in his church, it has power. And I love that. I love the church, and that's why Jesus, not because I do, but Jesus loved the church. The Bible says it very clearly. He gave his life for the church. He loves the church. The church lies at the very heart of God and, and, and its eternal purpose. God's purpose is not just to save isolated people, but to build a church, a community of believers for his glory. This is the glory of God. This is the glory that, that pays tribute to the Lord, that pleases God. And I, I, I look over this church, and I've been here, what, nine and a half years, I guess. And in nine and a half years, we've not had a church squabble. We've not had some kind of a issue that was to divide the place or cause any of these ripples. And I give that, I give the honor to Christ. I give the honor to the power of the Holy Spirit that works in people's lives, not just a handful over here, but across the whole spectrum of the church. And that brings glory to God. I, uh, I, I came across this, this just this past week, a survey of a thousand churches and the people in those churches. And they were asked this question, why does the church exist? And of the members of the church, this, was, this, this shocked me. 89% of the members said, the church's purpose is to take care of my needs. How about fell off the chair? This means that the role of the pastor is simply to keep the sheep that are already in the pen happy and hopefully not lose too many. Jesus said the purpose of the church is to win the world. And that's what we're going to set out to do. We're going to leave, we're going to ask God to help us win our chunk of the world anyway and to do something about it. The early church knew why they existed. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 33, the Bible tells us Jesus raised us up to be witnesses. He says, therefore, being exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on and it tells 
it tells the, 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 the wonderful power of the church. The ministry of the church is a ministry of people. Let's understand this. When a church lives, is alive, it lives because the people are vital and the people are active. When a church dies and withers, it dies not because the brick and mortar started falling off the walls or anything like that or the carpet wore out. It dies because the people wither and die. The story of a young preacher in Oklahoma went to a small community and uh, went to a small church had been in that community for a long time. He was a young preacher, as I mentioned, and his hope was to revive the ministry of this church. It had grown old, it had grown stagnant, it, uh, it just sort of existed and was doing absolutely nothing. And he thought he could turn it around. He had stars in his eyes and great hopes for the future. And he gave his best effort. He gave his best shot week after week and he stayed there for two, three years and absolutely nothing was happening. The same thing, it was, it was the same thing after two, three years as it was in the day it came. Finally, he had one last idea. He says he announced in the local newspaper, he said on Saturday, that the church had died. Made this, a, put an ad in the paper. This church has died. And on Sunday afternoon, we're going to have a funeral service for the church. And all who wish could attend this funeral service for the church. Well, for the first time in years, the place was absolutely packed. People got there early, they wanted to sit down, and when they walked in, they were surprised because here was a casket at the front of the church, had the flowers on it and everything. And he told the people, as soon as the eulogy is finished, I will open the casket and you can walk by and see the deceased. He finished. He slowly opened the casket, slid the flowers off the side, and the people walked by, filed by one by one, and they looked in to the dead church. And they went away sheepishly, sheepishly, feeling guilty, because in the casket was a mirror. And they saw themselves. Pretty good deal. So I don't know. If I get kicked out of this church and pastor in a dead church, I might try it. But uh, I don't think I'll wait three years. I may not have that long. They walked by and they saw the church that had died. The church is often an easy target. People like to take pot shots at the church, sometimes jokes and everything. <clears throat> it reminds me of the, the dad. The dad was in church with, the, with his grandson, and he was showing him about the building and looking at all the nice things in the, in the church and uh, the foyer, everything, the sanctuary, the beautiful sanctuary. And at the back of the sanctuary on the wall was a, just, a, just a beautiful plaque. And it had uh, several names on this plaque. And the little boy said, Grandpa, what, what, what's this plaque for? And Grandpa said, well, th these are the people that died in the service. And the little boy was perplexed. And he looked at that and 
He says, uh, was that the early service or the late service? <laughs> so, well, you know, sometimes you have to take your lump. The book of Acts tells us about the church. From its birth on the day of Pentecost, and it goes on to this present day. Acts is a story of the church, and it is a story of the work of the Spirit of God in his church. The book of Acts ends in chapter 28, verse 31. But I'm telling you today, I believe Acts chapter 29 is continually being written. Because we are writing the next chapter of the book of Acts. We are doing that today. It's a story of outreach. It's a story of martyrdom. It's a story of persecution. But I want to spend the rest of my time just trying to tell you why I love the church. First of all, I love the church because it's the only institution Jesus ever builds and promises to bless. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, I will build my church. Jesus did not build a college. He did not build a radio ministry or a television ministry. Jesus was not a blogger or anything else. He built his church. <clears throat> I'm excited about that because in six days, on September 16th at 5.30 in the evening, we're going to start writing a new chapter in the book of Acts. And I want you all to come. Would you come? Would you come help us out? If you're going to come, smile. <laughs> smile, smile. Practice it this week if you need to. If you come, smile. If you come, find people that you've never met in your life before and give them a great big welcome. <coughs> we want to be a place that will make a difference in people's lives. We want to be a church that's not just different because it's different, because it's full of God. You people are all full of God. Come and let some of it just leak out all over the place. Okay? We'd love to see you. <clears throat> when I left uh, pastoral ministry to go to Trinity Bible College, I, had to make a, I made a deal with the president. They had a church on campus that met in the chapel. And I said, I want to be the pastor of that church. If I can't be the pastor of that church, I'm not coming. I mean, I was going to do the other things I was supposed to do, but I wanted to be the pastor. I love being a pastor. And he says, oh, sure, yeah, you can do that. I didn't realize what was going on. I, I honestly didn't. I honestly didn't. This was a church that met that just didn't have any, virtually didn't have any purpose. <clears throat> it was a church of convenience. And the people that spoke in the church were the faculty members. And they were sort of a sign. You do it this Sunday, you do it this Sunday, and they didn't care. I shouldn't say it that way. They're good people. So I'm pastoring this church my first Sunday. 25 people showed up. And I thought, this is not really good. This is what I thought it was going to be. 25 people showed up, and they met in a classroom. Can you imagine having church in a classroom where you sat in school desks? It was bad. It was really bad. And on that first Sunday, I said, okay, this is the last Sunday we're meeting here. We're going to meet over in the chapel where a lot of people meet. And they said, well, you know, that chapel seats about five, 600, and we're only at 25. I said, I don't care. 
We're going to meet in a place that looks like a church, and maybe it'll help you to act like a church. And so I'm the new guy on the block here, so I can say some things. We met in the chapel, and we had our 25, and then we had a few more. <clears throat> and by December, when uh, school was about ready to get out for Christmas break, we had over 240 people in the church, in the chapel. We were worshiping, people getting saved, people coming to the altar. God was at work. I love the church because it's going to win in the end. Now, this is important. I like being a part of a winner because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's big. The gates of hell. Now, this doesn't mean that the devil isn't going to try to push on those gates and try to slam some things and everything else. We're, we're finding that out. But it says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. This church is founded on the apostles and the prophets and the word of God. It is a community of believers. It is a community of the saints of God. And they're not going to be moved simply because the devil doesn't like it. It's important to realize the devil hates the church. And, he's, and it's a passionate hatred. He thought he could kill the church and thought he might have had it done when Jesus died on the cross. Wrong answer. Because he rose three days later, the Lord of the church. And he's still Lord of the church. People have died as martyrs and even to this day, people continue to die for the sake of the church. Think of the people over in the, in the Mideast. Folks, I can't get out of my mind's eye the, 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 the sight of 20 young men who loved God, who believed in God, who refused to turn to Islam. I'll not get that out of my mind. They're dressed in orange jumpsuits, marching and walking to their death, kneeling in the sand by the Mediterranean Sea, and in moments, they were dead, and their bodies thrown into the ocean. Why? Because they loved Jesus more than life itself. Eternity has a powerful reward for the martyrs of the faith. I love the church because it's the earthly expression of heaven's kingdom. Now hang in here with me on this one. If you don't know this already, the church is the closest thing to heaven. You know that? And I'm going to prove it. In Matthew chapter 6, God gives us a huge hint in the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know, if we, we've said the Lord's Prayer on many occasions, but we might have overlooked this idea. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Listen, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What's next? Say it with me. On earth as it is in heaven. Get it? On earth as it is in heaven. The will of God, the kingdom of God, established on earth as it is in heaven. God's at work. The church is this expression. Well, some people come along and say, well, you know, the church isn't that great. It's got a bunch of hypocrites in it. And Usually I tell those people, I said, you know, you should just join right in with us. I mean, we could use one more and, and uh, you know, it won't hurt us a bit. 
So just jump right in there. Join the rest of us hypocrites. I think we need to be careful about making blanket statements like that because the church is better than a lot of human institutions. I want to live as close to heaven as I could get. I love the church because I can worship here. This is one of my favorite spots. I love the church because I can worship here. I know I can worship God all alone. I understand that. Anybody can. But there's something special, isn't there? Isn't there something special about getting in a crowd here, probably maybe close to 300 or more here this morning, in a crowd that lifts up the name of Jesus, all hail the power of Jesus' name? Man, it's happening. My heart's thumping. The blood is blood is pumping. This is great. I, I want to sing and shout and all of those things. This is a good news time here. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 says, let us consider how to stir one another up. I believe you can come into a church service like this, maybe having a tough week and being discouraged and maybe a little bit low. And you can leave this place because the worship and the praise of God has lifted your spirit. It has lifted you out of that, 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 that hole that you've kind of got into and caused you to worship yourself. God does all of these things. God does all of this stuff here. I need that. I need to hear the word of God spoken to me. I need to lift up the voice of God. I need my brothers and sisters to come alongside me and say, how's it going? Let me pray for you and not be afraid to pray in the middle of the foyer like we did here just an hour ago. I need that. Well, pastor, I don't go to church. I listen to CDs and DVDs and I watch the guys on TV. And, oh, really? So who are you accountable to? Who are you accountable? I'm accountable to everyone in this room. And that's just fine with me. I'm okay with that. You sit in front of your television. Who are you accountable? The guy on TV? Don't kid yourself. That's a joke. Accountability comes in relationships. And there's no substitute for the church. If you're sick and laying in bed and crippled and can't get out, I mean, you're just, I mean, it's, it's impossible, fine. But if you can move, you know, I, I talked to somebody who says, well, I don't go to church, I watch, I watch it on television. <clears throat> I just don't go to church. Then I saw him the next week three times. Once at Casey's, once in the downtown area. I saw him driving their car. I didn't see anything wrong with them that they couldn't come to church. I love God and I love his church and I want to honor him. Finally, I love the church because it's a starting point to reach the world. It's the starting point. When you look at the New Testament, you discover it right away the church was a sending agency. They were sending missionaries. It seemed good to me, Acts chapter 13, it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit to send Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey. And they laid hands on them and they sent them out. Where did they come from? They came from the church. And it's been going on and on and on like this for centuries. 
people going. We have people that, in this church that go locally. They do lots of things locally. I think we're, I talked to Jeff and I said, let's uh, put together a team that can get into Florida, especially in January, we want to go help. In January. <laughs> he just laughed at me. He says, oh, these missionaries, whether they're local or around the world, they, they're accountable to the church. Jesus said it so well in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you're going to be my, you're going to be my witnesses. He didn't say you might be. He said, I hope you will be. He said, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. God sends his church, and they reach, reach, and reach. John, you know this better than anybody in this room, probably. You reach people in Eastern Europe, people that are hungry for Christ, people that are begging to know hope and truth for their life. You're doing it, and continue to do so. There are a lot of things I love to do. I love to preach. If I had the opportunity, I'd preach every day. I honestly mean that. I mean that. I love to teach. I love to write. I love to share the gospel. But if all these things were taken away from me, if everything like that was taken away, I still would be fulfilled simply to be a part of the church. I love the church. I love it. Janet, would you come back, please? I thank God. I honestly thank God every day that he allowed me to be a part of the church. When I was getting out of Bible school, I kept asking God, God, all I want, all I want, all I want, I just want to be a pastor of a church. That's all I want. I don't care where it is. I don't care how big it is or how little. I just want to be a pastor. Then God brings up the assignments. I'm going to assign you here. I will assign you there. We walk. We walk in faith. We walk in the knowledge of God. friend of mine came up to me uh, just, boy, it's just this week, in fact. He says, how come you're not retiring at your age? He was a friend. It's not quite like the kid at the counter at McDonald's that says, hey, you want the senior discount today? And I think, you know what, buddy, I'll ask that, not you. Mr. 16-year-old pickle putter on the Big Mac. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't want to. Someday I probably will. Folks, this is the day that we live in. And I believe this with all my heart. Leave nothing on the table. Nothing. Put it all out there. And ask God to use us. Would you stand with me?
I want you to know, I don't want there to be any doubts or anything. Jonah and I love being a part of this church. We just love it. We love it. We look forward to serving. We look forward to you. We love you. We wish there was a better way sometimes that we could express that and whatever it might be, but we love you. We mean it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the hope that is in the church. Father, it's more than just an organization or a building. It's people. Great people that love God. Father, today I, I wonder if there might be somebody here this morning that quite honestly is, even though you're in church, you felt something very special today. You felt the tug of the Holy Spirit on your, your heart saying, come to me all the labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. This is a great day. This is a wonderful day to simply say, God, forgive my sins. I want to be saved. I want to serve God. If that's you today, if that's you, I simply want to ask you to pray with me right now. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Save me from my sin. I want to be a Christian, a real Christian that is born again. So, Father, come into my heart. I ask Jesus to forgive me. I repent of my sin. Repenting means going in a different way, going to God. I ask Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. I believe he died for me and rose from the dead. And today, today, this moment, right now, I commit my life to him. I believe in my heart on Jesus and only him for my eternal salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Folks, I just want to just want one last thing. Would you pray, 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 pray? Pray every day for life, please. This morning, or yeah, this morning we're, we're going to eat together and and we're going to share some assignments. We're putting together a mailing that will go to every person, once again, in Humboldt. About 3,200 pieces. We're getting a lot of things ready. A lot of things happening. We got music going. Tiffany's and, and Tracy's doing music. And who else is? Kelly Howard. Yeah, that's right. Kelly's on a keyboard. And it's going to be good, isn't it? <laughs> that was a slow, mm-hmm. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to love it. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands right now. Father, may the Lord bless and keep this congregation. Keep them loving you. Keep, keep them desiring only you. Father, fill every person with the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, give us your power, your anointing. Father, I pray that you will cause your people to walk out of this church filled with the goodness of God, filled with the, the hope of eternity, understanding that they, they live for you and they love you.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.